to Fall to Ego, episode six. Uh, I'm going to be talking about fasting. Now, not I don't really want to get stuck into the food side of it because we all know what it is. Uh, and if you don't, there'll be a brief explanation in a second. Really, what I wanted to talk about was fasting more as an attitude or a mindset or um, a lifestyle approach that you can apply to other things that aren't food and that doing so it's actually quite healthy in all manner of contexts, not just in the context of food. Um, all of that will become clear what that means later. Now, uh, just to talk about the food aspect quickly as possible, fasting obviously just means uh, not eating for a period of time longer than you would normally go between meals. Uh, some people fast, do a 24-hour fast, 48 hours. Think you know, Some people do a week Um other people do intermittent fasting. That's where you're still eating every day, but just the period of time in which you eat is quite contained. Um, and that's what I do, um, sometimes unsuccessfully, but generally speaking, six days a week, I'll not eat for about 18 to 21 hours in that kind of range. And then I will eat in the four to uh, six hours that aren't in that <laughs> 18 to whatever. My maths is terrible. That's why I became a comedian um so that's intermittent fasting the reason for doing it um some people do it to lose weight i do it because of the um the bodily processes that it encourages and those being based on i guess uh, a way of living that our bodies kind of would like us to do because our bodies evolved you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, modern life has changed a lot since then, but our bodies haven't because obviously society changes faster than, than we can evolve to match it. Um, so a lot of interesting processes kick in that are really good for you if you do some sort of fasting. So after 12 hours, I think your body starts burning fat um, for energy to keep you warm. I think after 15 or 18 hours um, around that range, you enter a state of ketosis, which is where your body starts generating ketone bodies um, as fuel, uh, mostly for you, I think for your brain, which is really, really great for your brain. And um, after 20 plus hours, you enter something called autophagy, auto meaning self and phagy, I think coming from the Greek or something for eating, which so it sound, means self-eating. But what that really is, is your body's breaking down um, old, fusty cells that weren't really up to much, um, just kicking around watching reruns of uh, Murder, She Wrote, and um, it kills them off brutally um, as fuel to create new cells. So it breaks them down to make new cells. So it's kind of a, a process of rejuvenation, right, uh, and healing. Now, the great thing about all of these is they lower inflammation, and uh, we do live in quite a, an inflammation, um, well, in an inflammation pandemic, really. Um, there's lots of inflammatory illnesses, chronic illnesses, pain, um, neurodegenerative illnesses, which I think they're starting to realize are caused by inflammation or exacerbated by inflammation. I think Alzheimer's, um, there's other forms of dementia that, uh, created by proteins forming on the brain and the cells that usually attack those uh, proteins. And infl inflammation basically exacerbates that whole process. So the less inflammation, the better. And I think I've even read a few studies that link um, other 
mental health issues, depression, anxiety, um, certainly not helped by the presence of, you know, heaps of inflammation as well. So anything you can do to lower inflammation, generally speaking, is a good thing. I tried this myself. Um, the reason I started fasting was because I've, I get psoriasis and uh, that's obviously an inflammatory illness. And I gave intermittent fasting a go because I thought, well, maybe if it lowers inflammation, I'll get better. And it did. Um, I had quite fiery red psoriasis on my scalp, um, which, and it's quite widespread. And I did intermittent fasting and a lot of it went away and some of it went from fiery red to very faint. Um, so I think that to me was proof that, you know, that's a, that's a good process in the body to encourage you to body to, to do. So I think what this reveals is that, you know, our bodies were designed to live in a certain way that we're no longer giving them. And that's quite easy to understand, isn't it? You know, we grew, we evolved on the savannah, wherever, um, where there wasn't a supermarket on the, on the, you know, two minutes away. Uh, there aren't cave paintings of people stabbing a mammoth or popping to the shops. You know, that, that, that was not an option. Um, you know, if you found a mammoth, great, but there might have been long protracted periods with no mammoth. If you found a mammoth, great, uh, but there might be long protracted periods where there's no mammoth. Um, and there wasn't a, a system where you could tap some buttons on a phone and a man would drop off some dead mammoth in a bag uh, at your doorstep. Uh, contactless delivery, yeah, COVID, COVID safe. Um, that didn't happen. So there would be periods where your body wouldn't be eating and it would go, right, well, I guess seeing as I'm really hungry and I'm not digesting food right now, I may as well tend to some other shit. And it, so your body would sort of go, well, okay, if I'm not digesting food right now, what else could I be doing? Oh yeah, I can do a bit of housekeeping. So your body enters like this housekeeping phase uh, if you're not constantly snacking whenever you're hungry. So this this is quite, this is, for, your, for your body alone, it's worth doing. But I think... What's interesting to me from like an Eastern philosophy sort of perspective as well is that um, fasting in a weird way becomes like a an in-body version of uh, mindfulness or Vipassana sort of meditation because what what you end up doing is you, you, you get hungry, but you just observe the hungriness and you don't buy into it and you don't yield to it. You don't go, all right, I'm hungry. Well, then I'll eat. You go, well, okay, my body's telling me I'm hungry, um, but I'm just going to watch that and go, yeah, thanks for the thanks for the info, um, but I'm not going to eat right now. I'm going to do some other stuff. So it's, I think in, in, in the 21st century, we have this habit of having a desire, having an impulse, having a feeling and acting on it immediately and buying into it immediately. And as we all know, there's, there's, uh, you know, most sort of Eastern wisdom uh, tells us that if you're having a thought or a feeling, you know, your go-to response shouldn't be just to give into it straight away or buy into it straight away. There's, you can put a moment in between you and the feeling to just step back a bit and observe it and go, well, okay, but is that me? Do I need to buy into that right now? Do I need to go with that feeling? Do I need to get caught up in that feeling? And so if you don't meditate, fasting is actually a, a proximus experience to that because you've got a, a sensory input. You've got your body telling you something. You've got a feeling, you've got an emotion because you, know, you say, I'm hangry, right? Um, and you don't, 
you you don't immediately cater to it. You don't immediately go, well, I'm going to get, I'm going to allow myself to get swept up in that and go to the fridge and get a cheeky snack. You, you're putting a, you're putting a moment between you and the feeling, the sensory input to go, yeah, but I'm not going to respond to that. Um, Scott Carney, uh, who did a book about Wim Hof has also uh, done a book called The Wedge. And he refers to this moment where, you manage to insert a bit of conscious thinking between you and an impulse or you and a sensory input. Inserting a moment between those two things, he calls that the wedge. And it's basically saying, well, you know, if you bang your toe, you're going to scream. Um, Because it's almost like an automatic response, but it doesn't have to be automatic. Actually, you've got an opportunity there to put a little bit of you in between you and the feeling bit of consciousness, a bit of awareness and go, hang on, let's step back a second and let, maybe let's not react to this. So I think um, I think fasting, aside from the kind of health benefits, is also quite a good, um, it's a good way of accidentally building up a form of resilience, uh, a, a bit of uh, sort of a capacity to not always give in to what you want, to not always go, well, I'm feeling this, therefore that's valid. And I, I found after doing fasting for a while, it had these weird knock-on effects. So um, other situations where I'd have a craving, a desire, and um, I'd have more control over those because suddenly there was like a part of my brain that wasn't automatic anymore. It was conscious and aware, and I had an element of control over that. So drinking, for example, in 2019, January, I thought I'd do dry jam. And, um, it was actually not that hard. And then what happened was that rolled onto dry Feb and then it became dry March. And then I thought, well, hell, maybe I should try and do the whole year. And it did, it became dry 2019. And there were moments where I was like, oh, I really would love a drink right now. But I would just go, well, okay. Yeah. Noted. Thanks. Um, but there's other people, there's other people at the, board meeting that get to have a vote on this so suddenly there's more voices in reaction to your impulse than just the impulse um and so when that craving not that i had cravings for drinking i never wasn't a wasn't a problem drinker but you know it was it's just a nice thing isn't it um and it's very normalized um and you you it's so normalized that you feel weird not drinking it's quite embarrassing uh, I mean, I've got used to it now because it's been three years of not drinking. So everybody I know knows that I don't drink. Um, but initially it is quite embarrassing to go, yeah, yeah, I don't drink. And people look at you and it's like, oh, you, what, you were Jehovah's Witness or something. It's like, no, <laughs> I don't know. Are they even associated with not drinking? Um, but, you know, this is this sort of people look at you like what you're, you're defying <laughs> the paradigm that the uh, society's built on. That's, that's a bit disconcerting that that makes that challenges my whole the cornerstone of my existence oh my oh my god i feel invalid and then anyway dry 2019 became dry 2020 which became dry 2021 three years and now we're into 2022 and it's certainly if you can uh, master your impulses enough to not drink through the last shitty two years um i think that's that's a pretty good sign of, of self-control um I also became vegetarian six months ago. And in January this year, there's a point to all this, by the way. This isn't just me bragging about how awesome I am, which it sounds like definitely is coming across that way. Um, here's, all the, here's, here's all the reasons I'm better than you. Um, 
in January this year, I did no sugar January. Haven't kept that up, but interestingly, the little bit of psoriasis that was there completely vanished. Because again, sugar is bad for inflammation, which again makes you think, doesn't it? It's like, I always thought sugar was just like a cheeky little treat. Like I thought it was still like a normal part of human life. Um, but um, I didn't, I, I just thought, yeah, it's something you're allowed to have that's, you know, a little bit, you know, have some chocolate on a Friday at the end of work. Yeah, or, cho- you know, whatever, hot chocolate at lunch to get you through the day. Um, I didn't realize it was like a, <laughs> like a neurotoxin. <laughs> to just that there's ads for on the TV. A Mars a day fucking kills you. Don't have a Mars a day. That's fucking ridiculous. Smoke some ciggies. You know, it's just, it's just put a knife in your face like that. You may as well have ads for face knives, whatever that is. Um, but sugar is, is not good for you. It's not good for you. It causes inflammation. And, you know, 40 years on sugar, who knows? You, you know, you're looking at potential dementia when you're fucking 60. So let's not do that. Um, so anyway, but I, yeah, I've cut out sugar uh, through all of January and then now rarely at all. And I do feel heaps better. Anyway, I guess my point is, sorry, I just heard my kid. Is she going to come in? Please don't come in. Although now by referencing her not coming in, I've still manifested the interruption I was hoping to avoid. Oh, paradox. She's not come in. Let's continue. Um, I guess the point is there's a lot of, once you start exercising control and a bit of distance with your feelings in one area, say fasting, but it could have come from anywhere. It could have come from meditation. Um, it's suddenly that muscle grows and suddenly you start finding all these weird choices you were making automatically. Don't make a lot of sense here. Why am I drinking so much? Why am I packing sugar into my face? Why do I have to have meat uh, every single meal just because it feels nice? Like I've got more control over those feelings now. Um, and it's, it's not just, uh, it doesn't just become about uh, what you're putting in your mouth because obviously fast, fasting, alcohol, sugar, vegetarianism, those are all like mouth things. Suddenly it becomes about any feeling, any impulse. You realize there's an opportunity to not react because you've practiced this muscle, this bodily form of meditation of having an impulse and putting a wedge, as Scott Carney would say, between you and it. So like I've, I've had opportun- uh, situations now where I stub my toe and stubbing your toe at least for me, normally elicits a sweary response at the universe. Uh, and I curse the skies, all of my relatives, my spawn, um, small animals, they, they all come in, in the line of fire, like, fucking shit. And suddenly you're thinking the whole day is going to be awful or that this is somehow uh, indicative of like a an ongoing universal conspiracy against you. If I burn my finger on the the kettle the other day and I stood my fucking toes. fucking ridiculous. Um, and there's all this anger coming out now that I've a been meditating a lot, but also yeah, fasting and just putting a little bit of distance between me and the thoughts that pop up in my head and the sensations that enter my body. There've been times now, and this by the way, sounds like I stub my toe all the time. And maybe, um, if you're watching this and are concerned, uh, please do contact a medical professional on, 
on my behalf. It's like, he does it every day. I think he's got a problem. Um, no, but there have been times now where I've stubbed my toe and I go, oh, like in my head, I just go, oh, okay. And I keep going and I let my, I let my toe do all the screaming for me because you, your toe hurts. So that is the anger and that is the pain. But you don't need to verbalize on top of that because the thing, the pain is the, the annoying thing. You don't need to, ah, like, I don't know what that, I don't know what that does because that's you saying it hurts, but your toe is already saying it hurts because it hurts. So you're just like, you're, you're just articulating, you're just saying a feeling when the feeling is the feeling. This is the weirdest train of thought I've ever had. But it's like when you fart, you know, it goes, you don't then also go fart. Like you don't, you don't articulate the thing that's happened. You just let the thing be the thing that happened. You know, you cut yourself. You, ah, but, we, but you did, the cut hurts. The cut is doing the hurting for you. Uh, you don't need to consciously articulate that, that, that pain. It's like you're taking notes or something for your body. You're taking the minutes of this. So I, I don't need to. You, you, you going out. My toe is going out, so I don't need to go out. Anyway, that was a very weird uh, little uh, little sidetrack. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that, yeah, after doing all these things, I realized that there's, there are impulses that we have, uh, feelings that we have that we react to, respond to, buy into. That you sort of, um, it's actually a choice. You actually can, it's a choice to scream when you, you bang your toe. And the more you exercise that muscle, that putting a gap between you and the feeling and questioning it a little bit, the wedge, um, the easier and easier it becomes. And you start being able to question all sorts of feelings that you have. Somebody's, somebody's arguing with you and you feel that hot feeling on the back of your neck, like a fucking idiot. Yeah, okay. Like, you know, you know when somebody's annoying you and or has annoyed you historically at work and they ask to borrow a pen and you're like, yes. Yes. It's like, why are you responding like that? Just because you have that hot feeling on the back. It's bloody John from accounts. Fucking John. Hi, can I borrow you? Yes. You know, you don't need to react like you can. You start to be able to control that and react to John in a pleasing fashion. Um, And then he asks to borrow even more pins. So really, maybe you should get angry. What am I teaching you? be a pushover oh my god um but anyway so that there's there's obviously the bodily health aspect which is that by denying the trappings of modern living which are in no way natural like i said there were no cave paintings of a supermarket um allow give your body space to do the things that it needs to do a bit of housekeeping by exercising that yeah, okay, I know I'm feeling that, but I'm not going to immediately indulge that muscle. Um, that can that has a lovely ripple effect into all sorts of areas of your life. Um, but also what I wanted to talk about was fasting as an attitude to lots and lots of things, not just food and the stuff you put in your face. So, for example, um, I, I would say the brain is similar to the stomach and that the internet represents to our you know our minds and our mental health what shops packed full of sugary sweets represent to our bodies and inflammatory illnesses and all that sort of stuff um 
the internet is there 24 hours a day and there is absolutely no reason at any point during the day, there's no excuse for being bored because there's always this, um, just this available uh, thing with all the information you could ever want, all the stimulus, all the joy, all the all the kind of neurochemical hijacking. It's all there all the time. If you want a cat video, there's a cat video. If you want, God, that's an old reference, cat videos, Jesus Christ. If you want a TikTok of a dance that represents the Ukraine crisis, there's that. Like there's just, imagine it and it's there. Um, so there's no excuse and there's no opportunity for your brain to be bored and for you to sit there in long periods of like mental fasting of, of, of stretches of time where your body, your mind isn't getting stimulated, isn't getting fed. And in what, what processes are we hindering or delaying or, or postponing by constantly stimulating ourselves? Because when you leave your body to its own devices, um, all these beautiful processes kick in. And I think, you know, I've, I've been reading uh, books about, you know, I've got a, a five-year-old girl. I've got a five-year-old girl. I, I have a five-year-old daughter. I've got a five-year-old daughter. <laughs> I've got a five-year-old girl, just um, bought her on eBay. And, um, and you know, so I've been reading a lot of uh, child parenting books. And, you know, they say, you know, some, some of the most important things for kids is boredom. Um, and there's been a large, uh, sharp increase in, you know, rates of ADHD and childhood depression and anxiety. And in, um, there's a book called Simplicity Parenting. And I was reading this book and going, I know this is a book about raising kids, but Jesus Christ, it should be, should be for adults as well. But, you know, they just, if they, they paired, they chuck half the kids' toys out, they simplify everything, they uh, decrease the amount of stimulation, get rid of the TV, all these sorts of things. And, you know, these childhood mental illnesses just plummet. Um, that's not saying that these things cause these things because obviously, you know, kids have a genetic predisposition to certain mental illnesses. So you might be more likely to get depression if the conditions are right, you might be more likely to get anxious, more likely to display uh, characteristics and behaviors of ADHD. But if you simplify things, then the capacity for those uh, predispositions to manifest themselves rapidly declines. Um, and so they ran experiments and they had kids in school and they had one class where they had still had all their toys and one class where they had ma everything massively simplified. The, the class where everything was simplified, their attention rates just skyrocketed. They could focus. They were happy. Uh, their imaginations increased. Um, there are other books about, there was another book I read. I'll have to look it up afterwards, but it was about, you know, just chucking your kids in nature with no agenda and no plan and no itinerary. And I've done this with my daughter, um, you know, the one I got off eBay and um, it works. You know, you chuck them in nature I said, what are we doing? It's like, we're going, we're just going to go for a walk. We're going to go into the bush and just fucking walk around. Um, and there's that initial protest of, oh, hey, that's boring. And they get there and it's like after 10 minutes, they picked up a twig and they're the building a house or, the, you know, they're following ants and just, you know, the, and they start inventing games and you realize how important it is for the brain just to be allowed to do its own thing 
And again, it's that form of housekeeping. It's a form of mental housekeeping. Like boredom is really good for you because that's when, you know, your brain, you start imagining stuff, you start defragging a bit, defragmenting your head. Um, you know, there's there's all sorts of, uh, it's, it's necessary to be bored sometimes or just to sit there and stare out a window. Um, we used to do that a lot. The whole the whole planet used to be window. That was all there was in a cave entrance and then stuff to look at. Um, there was no, like, oh, I'm going to look at a screen or look at my book or write in my journal. There was just, there was just constant looking. <laughs> That's all you could do. It was a 360 panoramic window. Um, it's important just to, be, it's important to stare out and be bored. Meditation is, is essentially enforced boredom because you're really stripping away all forms of stimulus right down to just focusing on your own breath and then you know you do that you just wait and see how much your brain resists how much thoughts pop up and you spend you know meditation for me for the first 15 to 20 minutes is like mental whack-a-mole it's like thought pops up okay i get it thought pops up okay if i can get it you realize how absolutely what a, what a maelstrom your mind is uh, for most hours of the day. Um, and it's, so it's good to to take a breath and pause and do nothing and be bored. And I, I think uh, mentally fasting, therefore, is a good thing because we're not meant to be stimulated from the moment we wake up. I mean, what's the first thing we reach for in the morning? It's the phone. What's the last thing you look at before you go to sleep? It's like, right up until you put your head on your pillow you're not allowing yourself to be bored as if that's some sort of sin as if constant stimulation is uh some evolutionary uh peak that we've ended up at like finally we've reached the age of uh never being bored and it's like that's not an advance it's actually really really bad for you and you know you're seeing these this these you know the the spike in teenage anxiety and depression constantly on their phones. Um, it's, it's really not good for you because it's not, and this, this is what annoys me when people defend the internet, uh, with the logic of, well, you know, old people, I'm not fucking old, um, old people, old people have always poo pooed, um, what the young generation are into the next generation. It's the same with the Beatles and punk rocks. Like, yeah, but, <laughs> but like the Beatles didn't reorder, the paradigm on which society operates and they didn't erode, they didn't erode the, the concept of truth. <laughs> they were just, a, they had long hair and old people were a bit scared of that. Oh, it's a bit uncouth, but that they didn't like, so you don't, don't compare the internet to the Beatles. It's not the same. We're not frowning. I'm not frowning on the internet because I'm some old person who's confused by what young people are like, Oh, TikTok or blah, blah, blah. The reason I don't like the internet is because it is fracturing reality into camps of deluded psychopaths. Okay, so that that's why that's why I don't like the internet. It's not the same as the Beatles. You know, the Beatles didn't Beatles didn't come out going, yeah, you know, we really just wanted to. Um, I mean, yeah, we write songs and stuff, you know, but um, also, you know, we we really just want people to. Uh, to lose grip on reality entirely, you know, um, and think that, you know, the the polio vaccine is actually uh, 
was actually invented by Richard Nixon, you know, some, you know, whatever the, the equivalent was back then. You know, the, they weren't doing that, you know. Watch Get Back, the documentary. It's not, there isn't a moment in it where Paul is like, yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> I just wanted to write songs, you know, about, you know, with words that rhyme and, you know, hey, Jude, you know, but, you know, John and Ringo and George, they were just constantly trying to tear apart... They're constantly trying to tear apart the uh, the space-time continuum so that we all end up uh, injecting ourselves with medicines that don't work, you know. <laughs> it's just like, I just wanted to write, hey, Jude. You know, it didn't, it's not the same, okay? So I'm not dunking on the internet for the same reason that the previous generations of old people dunked on whatever young... They're not the same thing. The, in, the reason the internet is bad... There's always been music, right? Even cave people had probably banged on something right the, the, or entertainment the, this this isn't that this is the in, the internet and contemporary living is an affront to the environment in which our bodies evolved and from where we came so in the same way that overloading ourselves with sugar and snacks and not having periods where we just go yeah i'm hungry but i'm not going to immediately eat something the fact that we have these brains and, the, and technology that's hijacked them. Um, so we're just constantly stimulated by stuff. The, the internet isn't like some additional facet of existence that's incidental. It's like hats. You know, when we invented hats, that's, you know, that's not an affront to the human body, okay? Because you've already got hair, but you know it's not some just—it's not some cute new thing that is a, it's sort of complementary to the human experience. The internet is an affront to the human experience. Um, Netflix—you know—we meant you're meant to have periods where you're bored, and just because and I, and I can hear people saying, "Yeah, well, you used to have to be bored in the '80s or whatever because there wasn't much." Now, now we do have the internet, so. That's what we have now, so why not use it now? So, well, because it's not—we're not meant. It's—it's it's going against what your mind wants. This isn't—it's not. You can't ask your mind and body to update to match society. Okay, our bodies twenty thousand, fifty thousand years ago wanted protracted periods of nothing uh, because that's—or should I say, there were long protracted periods of nothing. And given that's the case, and that's the environment we evolved, we evolved from, that's what our brains are designed to flourish in. Okay, unfortunately, even though we live in twenty twenty one with twenty twenty two, wishful thinking twenty nineteen, please. Um, even though we live in twenty twenty two with all this stuff, our bodies don't. Our bodies still live hundred thousand years ago. We are the same people as we were back then. So you can say, well, yeah, but all this stuff exists now. So that is what's natural. You can't really de redefine. Well, you can in some circumstances, can't you? But you can't always redefine Nate, what's natural to mean or just what's around at the moment and normal to do. There's a difference between natural and normal. And so it's, it's sort of wishful thinking to say, well, you know, I think 
um, cause the internet's around now and there's TVs and phones with streaming. So you can carry a streaming service with you wherever you go. Um, that is just what we're adapted to now. And, and you know, that's what kids are going to grow up with. It's not, it's not the same as the Beatles. It's not the same as some thing that parents used to frown on. This is, um, this is, this is an affront to what our bodies are used to. Anyway, what I'm getting at is that a bit of mental fasting is, is what we need. And I know the internet's there and I know it's tempting to check it all the time. But again, as you can with food, alcohol, sugar, meat, stubbing your toe, um, getting angry at that person at work, once you start exercising that resilience muscle to go, hang on a minute, you know, you put that gap in between you and the impulse. Okay, yeah, but I'm not going to indulge that right now because I don't have to. Um, just because the internet's there, um, try fasting, try internet fasting. I would, you know, if possible, and, I, and it's frustrating that this sounds like madness to suggest this, but I would try not using the internet for like four days and see what happens. Um, be bored for protracted periods of time. Don't do the thing that I still do, and I really struggle not to do it, which is, you know, I'll pop the kettle on and I'll be sitting on the couch waiting for it to boil. All right, well, may as well get what's going on on Twitter. Why, why couldn't I wait for 45 seconds? Like, (laughs) and also how are you bored ever? Do you realize like your brain can imagine literally anything? (laughs) Like why am, why am I getting my phone out? Because, oh no, there's nothing to look at around here. I suppose I'm going to be bored until the kettle boils. I could close my eyes. I could imagine a human centipede of Joe Biden's blowing me off. <laughs> like, not that I really want to imagine that. But, like, why, for what, what excuse do you have for being unstimulated for 45 seconds? Oh, kettle's boiling, so get the phone You have no excuse. Just sit there and listen to the kettle boil. That's life. That is life happening right now. It's a moment of nothing. And moments of nothing are what we evolved from. And that's what our body craves. Our body desperately wants nothing. Okay, look what happens to your body when you stop eating for a long period of time. It fixes itself. That's not that's not that's not an accident. That's not coincidence. That is that is your body telling you, oh yeah. When you're not constantly giving me what I want, I can actually get on with shit and improve you. Okay, so just be bored. Be bored sometimes. Fast on the internet. Try intermittent fasting for food. Uh, obviously, check with medical people first because you know we're all different. Um, and give it a go. Give it a go. And also, I, I just want to round off this episode by saying. Um, because you know we're we're rapidly moving in a direction where um, sating your needs is somehow celebrated. I mean, there's even a streaming service called Binge now, which is the opposite. And people are like, yeah, fucking great. I can watch whatever I want, whenever I want. Like huge quantities of television just fucking getting fucked in the face by through my eyeballs. Great. Like <laughs> it's called binge like that is the opposite there's a reason the word binge exists right which is that it's fucking bad it used to be a bad thing remember when you said like 20 years ago oh, i went on an alcohol binge people would go oh dear you know i went on a sugar binge oh are you okay but i'm gonna binge netflix great you're a fucking hero like why is binge suddenly this like a virtue 
Um, and that just that that, if anything, just telegraphs how fucking lost we are and how we're utterly rejecting what our bodies want and our minds want um, by celebrating binging. You know, you might as well have an app called like Neglect <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, we got Neglect. Oh, it's brilliant. Love Neglect. Have you got the, have you got the latest Ignore Your Kid? Ignore your kid uh, streaming service. Oh, it's brilliant. What streaming services do you have? Oh, I've got um, Disney Plus, Binge, uh, Giving My Child uh, Anxiety, uh, Neglect. <laughs> all of them. I've got all of them. Um, and I've got three screens that they're all playing on constantly. Um, it's like, you know, it's like a bit in uh, The Matrix where he finds the architect. Like my bedroom is just like that with screens. And I'm just like, going, oh can't love it also i have several mental illnesses i wonder why um so i we you know it's not progress this is this is the problem right is that things get labeled progress because they've improved like oh this chip makes computers faster okay that's an improvement but improvements are not always progress all right if, if something is bad for you making it more effective it's not that's not progress right yeah we've made a We've made heroin syringes that don't even pierce the skin. They just deliver it to you through osmosis. Great. That's progress. It's not progress. That is a decline. All right. Bad things getting more effective is is not progress, is it? That's the opposite of things. We've invented a gun that kills 20,000 people with one bullet. Great. Wow. Isn't that fantastic? You know, ironically, sometimes progress looks like things not improving. All right. Um, but anyway, so that's what, that's what this episode was on fasting, uh, firstly for your body, obviously check with medical people before you do that, but not just as that, as a, as a, as a, as an attitude, as an approach to things, am I indulging in this thing too much? And next time the impulse to grab that thing, take that thing, react to that thing arises, um, should I put a little, try and put a gap or a breath between the stimulus and the response and give yourself that opportunity to say no or maybe in a bit or not right now uh, or just to put it down completely try fasting on pride you know be wrong try practicing being wrong for five days because again the internet doesn't really encourage that um you know it's it's an environment where you are the protagonist in a movie that's all about you and you cannot it's, it's it's heresy to be wrong on the internet. Um, I you know, but practice being wrong because we're all again. It's a muscle that we're losing. Um, and you know, I've been in arguments with people where I feel like quite a few times I've gone to them. I, I can remember in recent memory, like I remember in the last three weeks, saying to that person, "Oh yeah, see what you mean about that. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right." But I'm not getting the same from them. And when I point out a mistake, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, uh, but no. Uh, it's like, just be wrong for a little bit. Like, practice being wrong. Have a have a pride. Have an ego fast where you just go, look, being wrong in this situation is going to suck. But maybe the situation sucking is what I need right now. You know, not smoking a cigarette when you're addicted to them sucks. But, uh, you know. Again, it's good for you. Um, maybe, maybe don't subscribe to fifty-eight streaming services. Anyway, sometimes be hungry, sometimes be bored. 
often be wrong. Don't always get what you want, okay? It's a famous Rolling Stones lyric, isn't it? Can't always get what you want, but sometimes you get what you need. Well, sometimes getting nothing is the thing that you actually needed. What you needed was absolutely nothing at all. Uh, anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please support me on Patreon. Uh, I'd like to do this uh, not for the price of a sandwich. 